Hey, this is Jack Rogers. Hello, this is Olivia Valerio. This is Chris Hughes. This is Abby Bennett. Hi, this is Mike Kinsler, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch. The Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. Brought to you by our season sponsor, the Rutland Regional Medical Center. Healthy you, healthy together. Welcome to the Inside Pitch. Uh, this is Admiral Coyne. Today, I'm joined here by uh, Bob Burdette. We're uh, without our... Uh, Tom Haley today, but it'll just be me and Bob. Um, I'll see another, we're starting to get towards the, the final stage of the regular season here, basketball. Um, you know, playoffs are starting to shape up a little bit, starting to see where teams may fall. Um, well, what have you kind of seen over this last week, Bob? Well, you know, the thing is, is, is as you go farther and farther into the season, and we're down to our last two weeks now yeah. uh, before the tournaments get going, is you see teams playing one another for the second time around and people are making adjustments. And you're starting to see some scores that might surprise you a little bit, and you're starting to see movement mm-hmm. uh, where there was not a heck of a lot of movement in potential um, playoff pairings and ratings. So um, I think that uh, you're going to see more of that, and and coaches really have to, to jack up their their uh, their game plans to really kind of offset what has not worked. And mm-hmm. I think that probably one of the the easiest the easiest examples was the game that you saw on Sunday uh, when Mill River beat Fairhaven. That was yeah. the first loss for Fairhaven, and. Uh, um, one of the things you look at at Fairhaven, they're not the most physical of teams, and you know, kind of wondering as the season went on whether that would be, you know, a, a problem for them somewhere. And it sounds like on on Sunday that it was. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, very Fairhaven's I mean, Fairhaven kind of uh, is a team kind of based around their speedy guards and being able to get to the basket, and knock down the three point shot. Um, but I mean, they and they, the Mill River was able to kind of take that away a little bit on on Sunday. I mean, obviously. Uh, Colby Murray was able to hit some 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 jumpers, but other than that, there wasn't a ton of um, a ton of that coming from from uh, from Fairhaven. They were really go in transition sometimes with the speed of Soy Ramey and um, and Zach Ellis and all and their their group of people. But um, Fair, um, Mill River was able to keep that in check. And on when Mill River was on offense, they kind of were able to get to the basket kind of at will. And it was tough for for uh, for Fairhaven to kind of contain that physicality and size that. That Mill River has at the guard position with Tyler Shelby and um, Cole Haynes, and they they kept uh, Aiden Body in check all night, but um, Shelby especially definitely kind of hurt them. Oh, he's one of those guys, and well, if you're not familiar with Tyler Shelby, he's a very athletic kid, and yeah. he can create. Uh, not the most polished, but he's got some real good quickness, and he is not afraid to go to the basket. Uh, not afraid to take chances. I'm sure sometimes Jack Rogers' neck, neck hair stand on end as he watches his team play because they get a little bit crazy and not out of control. But they're they they got a team that they've they've matured more, I think, in terms of keeping their focus this year than anything else because the physical attributes are there for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not the most skilled team overall, but they've got some skilled players. I think for them to to succeed, particularly as you get down into the, some of these tougher playoff games is to keep their focus and to play their basketball game and uh, and not get caught up in what other teams are doing. So I think that uh, what you saw on Sunday was a big step forward that way, and uh, they also show that they're quick enough so that Fairhaven doesn't run away and score a bunch of points in transition like they've done to so many teams yeah. in the course of the year with those spectacular three guards that they've got. Um, so I think that was a, a really a really good coaching job by Jack and uh, and I'm sure that Bob Prenovos is going to have to pull something out of the bag to uh, to counter them the next time that they play. So um, and one of those things I look at is that because Fairhaven is not the most dominant team inside, well, they're not a dominant team inside. No, it's just it's basically again they don't use the forward. Aubrey Ramey doesn't isn't 
called upon to do much inside for them. So, yeah, it's basically Joey Gannon down low, and, and, and there isn't much um, that are getting outside of him other than some a few guys off the bench, but basically Gannon. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think, like you, you were saying, I suggested Aubrey and Amy were more of an inside presence, even uh, only two. And we were talking about the same thing before yeah. we went on the air with MSJ. Because uh, you know, if he plays inside and he's assigned a big guy to guard him, he can create some mismatches when he's playing outside. So, uh, and uh, I think that's one of the things that Fairhaven's really going to have to do. Aubrey Ramey's been pretty quiet this year. I mean, yeah, really has. Yeah, he's not the kind of kid, and I know it's, it's actually his, his brothers like this too. They don't really give a darn about scoring a whole lot. They just want to win, mm-hmm. and they do different things to help the team win. So, um, I, I think because Aubrey certainly has the ability to do that, uh, to get him inside a little bit more. I think that I would want to look that way and and just mix things up because right now it's pretty much an open book when you when you play against Fairhaven. Yeah, exactly. Like you, teams can kind of just key on. Um, Stopping Gannon down low and just like helping weak side if, from from the, the another person who's who's uh, covering him down low. You know, you just if if you can kind of deny Gannon getting the ball, you're kind of forcing Fairhaven to just be a perimeter team, which they're good at being. But you kind of need that balance, and that could cost them if they don't kind of get that balance between their amazing guards and also having some sort of presence down low. Yeah, so I, you may see a little bit of character transformation for yeah. Fairhaven and. Uh, uh, I don't doubt that they have the talent to do that, you know. So I keep waiting for Reese Haddock to be, you know, playing more of a role yeah. off the bench because he's a big physical kid, you know, and uh, he hasn't looked bad when I've seen him play, but he has gotten a lot of minutes this year. And I think that I, I really want to see him in there a little bit more just to, if only to break the tempo of the game and to, to give people a couple of different looks mm-hmm. uh, and to really just mix things up, you know. So, um, that's the way I see for Haven. And, and Mill River, they're, they're getting better. Oh, yeah. They're getting better. So, that's going to be a real tough, and it's, it's making things tougher on MSJ, uh, one of the other Division Two teams in our county here, which is trying to make strides as well, you know, and, and they've got Mill River tonight. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be a real, a real high-tempo oh game God, as well. Yeah. The, 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 again, no, yeah, very similar to that, that Fairhaven game, just the, the guards have so much speed on both of those um, both of those sides, you know. Andre Punty for MSJ is, loves to just get out and transition, speed up the game, and um, – I'm sure. I'm sure that Michelle will, will try to do that again today against Milver, especially now that you know they're kind of a little lighter at the at the down low with, with Jake Williams being yeah. hurt um, and possibly out for an extended period of time here. You know they, they're kind of have, they have to be a perimeter team, so uh, I definitely expect them to try to get on transition and kind of match the speed that Mel Rover plays with. Yeah, well, and MSJ is uh, they're a team which also likes to create yeah. off off their defense. Uh, I don't know if they'll have as much success doing that against Fairhaven, which which handles the ball pretty darn good, uh, particularly with Colby Colby Murray. It's just you know I, you look at a lot, a lot of the players on that team, and they get some good players. But, uh, in my opinion, Colby Murray really makes them go. He, oh, yeah. He's the point guy, and he's got a feet. He's got speed, which everybody else feeds off of and follows. And he's just a gung ho kid. He's a Marine, basically. You know, mm. so. Um, so that's going to be an interesting matchup tonight, I think, and uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. I think you'll have a big crowd down there at MSJ yeah, down here. Yeah, Michigan River, yeah, it should be a really fun one. Um, yeah, I mean, there's we're, we're down to a few. Um, I mean, now, obviously, that was the first loss that Fairhaven boys had this year. So we're down to, I believe, two of our local teams now that are still undefeated. Um, we got the Fairhaven girls, and we still have the West Side um, girls as well. They're, those are two undefeated teams left. Um, both of them have played. Uh, at least their, their, both of their, their last games were 
dominating wins. Um, on on Saturday, the West Rutland girls won. They were playing close with with Bellows Falls, a really strong uh, D three team. But then they kind of just took over that game and, and dominated from there. Um, so they look incredibly strong in Fairhaven last night. The girls um, again a little bit slow to start off that game, but they absolutely dominated as that game went on with their ability to rebound the ball. And obviously, Ellie Cloody was hitting her three point shot, and when she's doing that, they're kind of tough to stop. Um. This is the inside pitch. The Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. Brought to you by our season sponsor, the Rutland Regional Medical Center. Healthy you, healthy together. Do you think there's anybody that can kind of trip those two teams up as they kind of head to this final stretch of the season? Well, I'm, I'm still looking at, at, at teams with more physicality, I think, because that's, that's speed is Fairhaven's game on both boys and both sides yeah. there. Uh, I, look at, I look at teams with, with more physicality to give them kind of a push. And Otter Valley did that earlier in the season, yeah. a couple weeks, two, three weeks ago. Uh, and I think that kind of is a little bit of an exposure. Uh, not that Fairhaven's got really a weak spot. But I think if you're looking for a spot where they're not as strong, I think that's where to go. Is just to kind of like to beat them up a little inside. You want to you want to slow down the tempo. Yeah. And that means you're going to have to handle the ball well, and you're going to have to find some slots inside to get the ball into and to get some scoring because it doesn't work unless you make them hurt down low and you make them score. Mm-hmm. And you could also get some people into foul trouble that way if you can do that. But Air Haven's got a lot of talent from oh, yeah. top to bottom, and that's that's tough. That's going to be very tough. Uh, or, uh, West Rutland, I, don't, I, I have more faith, I think, in, in West Rutland going undefeated in the regular season. And it's not a knock on, on Fairhaven. They're an excellent team. But I think because uh, West Rutland has a combination of speed and they've got some big, strong kids inside, I think that's going to be a very, very tough team to beat. Uh, I'd, right now, I'd, I think they're probably the favorite in, in Division Four girls. Well, easily, yeah. I'd be surprised if they, if they didn't bring it home this year. So. Um, so that's uh, that's pretty much the book on what I think about the local girls teams here. So yeah, yeah. Except for that Rutland team, which is, you know, if they if they're ever consistent, they could be really really tough, you know, because they've got some strength inside, they've got some ball handlers, uh, you know, they're they're playing pretty good right now. So uh, I like that team and what they can possibly do as well here. So uh, that'll be interesting. That'll yeah, be I mean, they uh, a pretty pretty dominant win yesterday against Browbro. Browbro's a little bit down this year um, from where they normally they're. A team that hovers a little bit over 100 in that range for for Balboro, but um, they're, I feel like they're a little bit down this year. And uh, as a whole, the SVL is kind of down. It's kind of uh, the Rutland and, and BBA show in, in the in the SVL right now in the A division. Um, but I mean, if they they just got obviously if Rutland keeps going here, they just got to keep on tacking up the wins if they can, you know, take care of things they're supposed to take care of, and you know, and come on top in some of those games where it could go either way. You know, they could be a really dangerous team. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to kind of take a look around here because I have I am in charge of the boys' power rankings. I just want to throw a few things yeah. out that has happened over there in the past week here. Um, is, uh, well, Mount Mansfield continues to rise, even though they lost a close game to Rice. Uh, they're, they're still a team that's pushing upward, and, and I think that joining that, that four, uh, the four big teams, uh, Rice, St. Johnsbury, and uh, I want to say I want to say CVU, but CVU is on the way down right now here, so it's it's kind of hard to put your finger on that. Uh, but Rice, St. J, South Burlington, Brattleboro, and CVU, and Mount Mansfield look like the, the focus of the teams uh, to uh, to beat in the Division One uh, tournament here. But CVU, uh, I won't say inexplicably because I'm not exactly sure what's happening in Hinesburg, but they've lost four in a row. 
Um, the last was a close game uh, against, uh, I think, uh, oh boy, I don't have it written down here. They lost a close game. Uh, but um, I, I'm kind of looking for them to just to kind of get their, their feet back underneath yeah. them. Otherwise, you're looking at a number one team that it sunk all the way down to five or six, maybe five or six, and only playing one home game. Yeah. Uh, as you're all aware, there are only 13 teams in Division yep. One this year, which means that uh, uh, only the top three will get a seed or buy, and then the rest will play off. And uh, um, so things are getting narrowed down in real hurry there. So those those first round games in Division One, which we normally look at and say, well, most of them are walkovers, that's not going to be happening this oh, year. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, what well, I think the most impressive thing that I saw this week was Montpelier, which has had won like 12 games in a row, losing by three to Rice, which is the top-ranked team in the state right now. Yeah. I, mean, I think, and I'll tell you what, that Montpelier and U32, it's got, what, what heck of a tournament this is going to be in Division yeah, 2 boys. My yeah. God, this is going to be a tremendous tournament. And there's and there's no shortage of teams there, like 17 or 18, so you know that bracket's going to be filled. Yeah. And there'll be teams with four or five wins who won't even get into the tournament. So mm-hmm. that's uh, I, that's that's the most intriguing boys tournament I think this year, just because of the the strength of numbers. I, yeah, it's really going to be a, a real big deal to watch some of those teams playing. Even then, when you get to the eight nine games and the seven ten games in the first round, those are probably going to be really really good basketball teams. Exactly. Okay. Like MSJ could fall on that like eight nine ish line, and that's a really dangerous team to be on the eight nine line. I wouldn't want to see them in the second round for. Right for for that tournament, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's going to be very interesting. But you know, right now, all the wins are at a premium. You want to just win yeah. as much as you can right now. So uh, and uh, and and fortify that that playoff position. But you know, it's tough. You know, even down to the end of the year because we're playing teams for the second time around. And I'll be really interested to see what happens when Fairhaven plays Mill River again. Because uh, that's going to be just like I, maybe an eye-opening that's game, be a fun one, yeah. you know. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah, going to be a real circus. But right now, every win is big. So uh, I know you wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the national things that are going on here. Uh, yeah. And um, you know, um, because you, you've been around long enough to see a couple of knockoff NFL teams, uh, I I got to ask about the XFL and what you think. Because you've seen some games, I haven't watched yeah. any of them. But uh, what do you think of what you've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's promising. I think uh, I, I definitely enjoyed. Watching some of the football from the XFL's first week more than I did the um, AAF first week, which is the the league that failed last last year uh, from just like financial trouble and um, a bunch of other things. But it, it just didn't it just didn't work. But um, I do like what I kind of see from the XFL. There's some innovations that they've been doing that the NFL doesn't do. Like um, they they have like Sky Judge up in up in the the booth, and you can kind of hear what he's thinking and. Obviously, which gives you a, you know, a better view of what like the, the what the refs are kind of saying to each other when they're making those decisions for a penalty, which is something in the NFL where like you kind of you kind of don't know sometimes what what the ref is thinking on a certain call. And it's, I think it's cool to have that transparency. And there's there's a few other things like interviewing coaches uh, mid game, which is a, another cool aspect. Um, so, some things that the NFL could definitely take and um, maybe copy a little bit and and, uh, and use to make their game even better. Yeah. Well, I bet you should. I mean, the thing is, with with you saying the sky view and and, and and mulling over calls here, I still see an awful, and I know you do too. I still see an awful lot in this past NFL season. Where why are we having these prolonged discussions about these particular plays uh, when uh, we, we all see it? And why is the NFL turning down so many of these of uh, these uh, uh, protests? Because a lot of them look like they're really good plays, yeah, you know? exactly, and uh, that they had been called incorrectly. But I don't, I don't quite get that. But I hope that the NFL will learn a few things because 
the NFL got a, a couple of blind spots here when it comes to the replays. And uh, mm-hmm. I wish I could kind of get rid of that. It's supposed to be the purpose of it is to get rid of this stuff. Otherwise, why are we spending all this money and technology and, exactly. and piping everything into New York? I mean, it makes no sense if they're not going to get it right. Exactly. Or it'd be so obviously wrong. So, you know, so anyway. So, uh, you, yeah. you know, uh, how'd you like the quality of the football itself? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. I mean, I don't think, I don't, the, the players, I don't think are obviously as talented as the players you're going to see in the NFL. But I mean, I, I, do, I do think it was certainly sort of on par with with what you'll see in the NFL. It's just, um, I don't think it's a huge step down at all. You know, a lot of these guys are guys who have had NFL chances in the past and they're, you know, trying to prove something. And um, the, this is how they're going to do that. Maybe try to get back to the NFL or make a career out of, of it there in the XFL. So I, I definitely think the quality was was similar and sort of on par with well, the yeah. NFL. You know, what? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing really because of the way that uh, the way that things shake out and sometimes not shake out well in the draft, that the XFL with this time frame, it's, it doesn't play in the same time frame as the NFL, will really be a big help to some teams who are looking to, to find that, that, that edge guy or the interior lineman who help them through or, or anybody really from yeah. that matter. I mean, it's... It's going to be a while though, that this that this league, if it's if it just survives, is going to be like a proving ground to get to the NFL, as opposed to something that's going to stand on its own for a long time. And we've seen plenty of leagues, plenty of knockoff NFL leagues, just not make it. Yeah. And for various reasons, financial, you know, is the market too flooded, or you know, are are uh, people still want football after seven months of having so much football? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm re- I'm ready to be done with football for a while. Are you? <laughs> no, let's get baseball going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's a limited <laughs> market. You know, you get saturated or whatever else. But yeah, I'm I'm ready for baseball too. Yeah. And now that we've come to baseball. Yeah. We slam the Red yeah. Sox here because what a bunch of boneheads! <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it? Does that put me on the fence? Oh, no, no, I don't think boneheads. so. Okay, here. <laughs> okay, okay. I just don't get it because they got nothing from Mookie Betts. They might as well have let him play one more year and hopefully get another championship out of him. You know, it's, it, this is this looks like a whole disaster. I know a lot of people in Boston and in Massachusetts are unhappy about this, and I am too. I just think it stinks. Yeah, what, what were you kind of expecting to get back from Mookie in a trade? I mean, I don't think they should have traded him in, in the first place. I think, you know, you, you continued to do your due diligence to get him um, extended, which I don't think it would have happened by the end of the season. Or you, if you're out of the the race, you trade him at the trade dozen. What were you kind of expecting to get back from Mookie Betts there? Well, a little bit of sanity, I think, here, because when you look at it, he's got one year in his contract. Even though he's going to Los Angeles, which is a great place to play, they'll, would, they'll probably pay him more. I wouldn't money be shocked than, if he signs. There. Oh, jeez, I, I would. Looking at you know, forty million a year, or whatever, yeah. I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. It's a kingmaker trade, yeah. and I think for a team like Los Angeles, which has been to playoffs so many consecutive times, they've had all these great players, and they have not been able to get over the top. I would think they'd be willing to. First of all, you got to eat, eat Mookie's contract. Uh, but beyond that, I would have settled for just one top-tier minor leaguer. I didn't get that. Uh, I thought that you don't, you don't think Jeter Downs. Uh, I mean, Jeter Downs is one of the top minor leaguers, and I mean he's not Gavin. They, they weren't going to give up Gavin Lux. Yeah. Or they, they weren't going to give up Will Smith. Or um, I think there's another high-end pitcher. I can't think of his. Uh, I can't think of his name now. But they have another really, really high-level pitcher in their in their farm system. But they were not going to give up any of those guys for for Mookie Betts. Yeah. Well, you, when you're losing the same base player yeah, in yeah, baseball, I agree. that's what I think. They should have been a player yeah. like that. They should have been a player like that. So that, that's what makes this whole thing look like it's a shameless dumping of salary, which is to make up for some of the bonehead moves they've had in the past. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. The you, price contract was price, unbelievable. Price, Yuvaldi, um, 
extending sale as quickly as you did. Oh, yeah, with his history uh, of there, injuries. There is yeah. a even even going back, you know, you know the Paul Sandoval signing. I don't know, I don't know if he's still is he still in the books. I, he might still be. He had a five-year contract. So he's probably he, gone at this he, point, he, no? He might be, he might be gone. I, 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 he might, <laughs> or, he might or, be or, gone. Uh, Rusni Castillo, he's still, he's still getting paid he's by the He's still getting paid. He's still getting so, paid $8 million for two more years. To, to play like, in Pawtucket or yeah, whatever they're playing yeah. now, Worcester, whatever they're yeah, playing now. I know. Um, but, yeah, there's, they, you're right. The Red Sox certainly put themselves in the situation. Um, and, you know, I, I still think it'll be a competitive team this year, but I don't. there's no, no way they're going to make it. To the play, like be a be a playoff team. I think maybe eighty five wins for the Red yeah. Sox. That's what I would think. Yeah, I'm say come up and they sign somebody who's a, a great pitcher, and I don't know how that's gonna happen. Not gonna they, happen at this point they're, they're in the not, off they're season. Not, they're not ready to spend money. Basically, yeah. they're they're under the cap, and uh, you know maybe maybe it's gonna be next year or whatever yeah. else. Um, they still have. You know, they, they still have a very nice core of quality oh, yeah. players. They really do. I Bo, mean, they, yeah, they, Bogarts, Devers. Oh yeah, Martinez. Um, Mar- it, Martinez, if he doesn't opt out after the year, yeah. I mean. Yeah, there, there's still plenty of talent there. It's just it's tough to to swallow when you're trading away the, the second best player in the MLB. Yeah, when you when you're a big market team, and you shouldn't really have to be making those decisions if you made smart decisions. Yeah, and you're so. in the same division with the Yankees, uh, so yeah. it's uh, who are who are looking really they, good right now. So. Dodgers, Yankees. I'm calling it right now. Dodgers, Yankees in the World Series. Dodgers, Yankees, World Series. Okay, <laughs> oh, all right. Well, right then, then I'll then I'm gonna Mike go Dr- a step farther. I'll say Yankees in six games. Okay, I'll go. I'm gonna Dodgers in seven. Okay, Dodgers and seven. seven. Get yeah. Mookie another ring. I want to see. I want to see the Dodgers eat Mookie's salary, eat Price's salary, get nothing. Nothing. <laughs> they should still be in Brooklyn. Okay, how about that? All right. Is that does that sound bitter? Okay. What do you What do you think? Uh, any other old guys out there who are really happy to be bitter? Call the bitter hotline right now. Here, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, on, on that, we're gonna wrap it up here for the inside pitch. Uh, for Bob for Dead, I'm Adam O'Coin. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Dan Elliott. I'm the athletic director at Mount St. Joseph Academy. This is Adam Greenlease, coach of Fairhaven Union High School Baseball. This is Abby Bennett, softball coach at Proctor High School. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the, the Inside, Inside Pitch. Pitch. Play ball! Brought to you by our season sponsor, the Rutland Regional Medical Center. Healthy you, healthy together. Hi, this is podcast engineer George Nostrand. The one that Bob and Tom are always heckling. If you're wondering where you can find the inside pitch, we post it on our website every week under the sports drop-down menu. It's also shared on Facebook, Twitter, and you can find it on iTunes. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a call at 802-774-3036. Play ball!